Hello and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHA's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse, from the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border. We work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how it might impact your day-to-day life. Now, would you buy or consume a product without knowing what's in it? What about one that's known to cause a range of diseases, including cancer? Would you expect these products to carry a warning or at least a list of ingredients? Well, across the WHO European region, only 9 of 53 member states have laws that request alcohol producers to provide a list of ingredients, nutritional information and health warnings. What's more, in many countries, providing this information is voluntary rather than obligatory. That's one finding from a recent Health Evidence Network synthesis report on alcohol labelling produced by WHO's European Office for the Prevention and Control of Non-Communicable Diseases, or NCDs. NCDs are diseases that can't be transmitted to other people, so think conditions like cancer, diabetes or heart disease. Hi Karina, can you hear me? Hi, hi Greg, yes I can hear you. Hi Karina, how are things? Fine, thank you. Uh, very busy. Karina is the program manager at WHO's European Office for the Prevention and Control of NCDs. Her focus is on alcohol and illicit drugs. I asked her a bit about the impact of alcohol in the WHO European region. Uh, so the situation in the in the region is that we have from all the regions of WHO the highest levels of alcohol consumption uh, uh, in the world. So uh, basically, uh, we know that uh, alcohol is responsible for about 3 million deaths each year, uh, which is caused by alcohol consumption. And in the region, we uh, are talking about 1 million deaths per year. So very huge burden in terms of uh, alcohol-related deaths. Um, in fact, 10% of all the deaths that are occurring in our region are linked to alcohol. Okay, so I mean, that's, those are obviously quite big figures. What you've quoted there are, are consumers being made uh, made aware of the uh, the associated health risks of drinking alcohol. Well, that's uh, what we're trying to um, that we we try to systemize and analyze in our uh, WHO Health Evidence Network synthesis report. Uh, so this is uh, looking at all the evidence that we have about alcohol labeling, which would be a way to uh, make consumers aware of uh, the associated health risks uh, of drinking. So it's the first time that we're having such type of study and we're looking at uh, different alcohol labeling practices across uh, Europe. And uh, well, we found that only nine out of the 53 member states in the region have laws that request alcohol producers to include the necessary information that would provide awareness and therefore would let people uh, be able to decide. So uh, this would include information on ingredients, nutritional and health warnings. Um, And Many countries, what happens is that at the end, many countries are uh, basically convening this information only in a voluntary basis rather than uh, mandatory. Mm. So this means that most of the alcoholic beverages do not provide such type of information. 
So we have some alcoholic beverages that might be high in sugar, for example. Uh, so you would not be able to know the nutritional value of that uh, uh, beverage, alcoholic beverage. And um, so this means that many people remain uninformed that alcohol is very high in calories and uh, uh, calories that basically provide no nutritional value. Uh, in some countries, for example, uh, you have also labeling that provides information on ingredients only um, and countries where um, they only uh, display uh, health warnings or information on energy uh, intakes of drinks. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a whole, we have uh, very few countries providing all this information together, which is essential information for consumers to be able to assess the risks and made the decisions regarding uh, drinking alcohol. Okay, I mean, to me that seems quite surprising when when you consider the the range of warning labels on a on a number of other products that that can lead to these sorts of health problems. Yeah, uh, it's very surprising, uh, and uh, um, what we see in the region is that we do not have countries, any country, uh, that has achieved best practices for alcohol labeling uh, policy. Um, we see that in the eastern part of the region, there are countries that made progress, uh, especially regarding the warning labels. So um, countries that decided to have at least 20% labels dedicated to uh, warning uh, messages. Uh, but we know that everyone can do more. So this is what we expect also with this report. We have evidence that labeling is very important for increasing awareness, uh, for uh, allowing people to decide and reduce their drinking consumption, which is very important. Um, and uh, we saw that uh, countries that follow uh, policy, comprehensive policies on alcohol can have a, a big impact in terms of their mortality and in terms of their life expectancy. So this is what happened in Russia and this case has been documented. So they have implemented policies which relate to labeling, but not only because labeling is just one part of the comprehensive policy response that the country needs to put in place. But they are very important to raise awareness from the consumers. Well, I mean, um, it's really important to move towards a situation where consumers are given the opportunity to do no more of what's in the bottle of any alcoholic beverage, like any other food stuff. Joao is head of WHO's European office for the prevention and control of NCDs. I asked him what more policymakers can do. They can do... Uh, a lot because much of the regulations in terms of labeling, they are decided at sometimes national level, other times at um, you know supranational levels. So sometimes it's in the European Union context or the Eurasian Economic Union context. Some other times we have 50, 53 member states. So there are different circumstances, but it is really the uh, regulatory bodies in the countries and policymakers that take the decision to improve the labeling of alcoholic beverages, which is one of the areas that can 
can and, and, and needs to be improved in terms of, uh, in terms of the alcohol, uh, good buys and best buys. These interventions have been identified and described and certainly better labeling is one of the areas that could have an impact, a positive contribution. And therefore, this is the role of policymakers in this context. Only they can take that decision to, you know, to improve regulation and mandatory labeling in this context. Of course, companies can also do a lot, right? And there are things that companies can do on their, um, on a voluntary basis. There are things that they can do, for example, in reducing the amount of alcohol in, in the beverages. What can, uh, what can they do to build, say, public support for, for something like this? Well, I mean, I think there is already a lot of public support because if you ask consumers and consumer panels, you know, consumer surveys, when you ask about labeling of foods in general, foodstuffs, right? They always want front of pack labeling. They like interpretative front of pack labeling, which is the same as to say, you know, it could be traffic lights, could be Nutri-Score. There are, there are many options around the world and in Europe, different countries use different options. So the consumers like the color coding, they like the information on the front of the pack, and they like really more and better labeling. So consumers across the board, they want better labeling. So, with public support and evidence suggesting that alcohol labeling works, what's holding this up? I put this to Karina. Well, um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, their interest is in selling alcohol. Uh, it's not public health interests. So, of course, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, they can make very strong opposition uh, for having these kind of uh, labels in the, in their, in the beverages. Mm. Uh, if you are going to buy a product that is saying, like for tobacco products, you know, that there's a strong uh, warning, you know, for the health impact that this can have uh, in, in your body, uh, you will think twice. And uh, this is not policy that uh, those who want to sell more would like to see in their products. So this is what is basically slowing down this process. Um, there's a lot of resistance of including this type of uh, messages, you know, uh, high levels of calories or uh, warning labels in products that will probably make the consumers think twice before they buy their products. Excellent. Thank you, Karina. Bye, bye, Greg. Bye, bye. bye. Here's what else has been going on around the WHO European region. Dobro jutro, dobro dien. Spasiba sto vi našli vreme, što bi prinjat učaste during a Russian-language virtual press briefing, WHO's Regional Director for Europe, Dr. Hans Kluger, warned that while the number of COVID-19 cases has stabilised, the virus remains a threat to countries across the region. On World Blood Donor Day, WHO thanks voluntary unpaid blood donors for donating blood, 
while also raising awareness about the importance of regular blood donations for individuals and communities. And finally, do you want to help influence the future of health in Europe? WHO has launched an online consultation on the European Programme of Work, United Action for Better Health. This will set out the priorities for WHO's work in our region over the coming years. Find out more on our website. That's all for this edition of Health in Europe. If you want to find out more about the HEN alcohol labelling report, you can visit our website, euro.who.int, and follow us on Twitter, at WHO underscore Europe, Facebook, at WHO Europe, and Instagram, lowercase, at WHO Europe. In July, WHO will be releasing two new reports on alcohol, one on the impact of pricing policies and another on the regulation of marketing of alcohol. Thank you to Karina Ferrer-Borges and Dr. Joel Breeder for taking part in the interviews today. Thanks also to David Barrett and Alexandra Olson for their help in producing and researching this episode. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Music